Welcome to The Feminine Frequency. I'm your host, Amy Natalie, women's empowerment coach, feminine embodiment guide, and creator of The Feminine Codes. This podcast is designed to awaken your feminine energy, elevate your frequency, and empower your mindset. We cover everything from increasing your confidence, trusting your intuition, deepening intimacy in your relationships, and magnetizing abundance into your life. Each week, you'll receive a new episode filled with feminine wisdom and inspiration to remind you of the magic that already lives inside of you. Ready to dive in? Let's do this, sister. Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to this guest episode of The Feminine Frequency with Madeline Moon, where we're going to be talking about becoming the artist of love in your own life, in your relationships, and with your work in the world. It was such an honor to have Madeline on the show. I absolutely loved her book called The Artist of Love, and I'm excited to share more about some of the concepts that we talked about in this conversation and It's also a great continuation of our theme from last week for our Valentine's Day episode, where we were also focusing on the conversation about conscious relating and being a more conscious lover in your life. So before I introduce Madeline, I want to invite those of you who have not yet downloaded a free gift that I created for you, which is called the Empowered Feminine Morning Ritual. This is a 20-minute audio guide that you can listen to in the mornings to start your day feeling connected to your feminine energy, feeling connected to your body, and feeling empowered throughout your day. You can find this audio guide by clicking on the link in the show notes and entering your email and you will receive the morning ritual to your inbox right away. So enjoy that ritual and I'm going to introduce our guest for today, Madeline Moon, who is a leading voice in the world of feminine masculine relationships devoted to serving women in liberating their expressive artistic hearts with themselves, their partners, and the world. Her work and story have been featured in hundreds of podcasts and various publications such as BBC, The Huffington Post, Teen Vogue, Thought Catalog, Nylon Magazine, The Daily Mail, Vice, Greatest, Men's Health, People, and ABC News Nightline. In addition, Madeline teaches live programs, workshops, and courses online and in person. You'll have to make sure to head on over to her Instagram after you listen to this episode. She has the most hilarious and amazing reels that really use her artistry and her creativity to talk about some of the common struggles, common concepts that we often hear about personal development, and she brings a lot of light to those. So without further ado, we have our conversation with Madeline, and as you are listening, if you're feeling inspired and really loving this conversation, I invite you to take a screenshot and share it on your stories on Instagram, and you can tag me at Co. I would love to hear from you, and it's also a great way to share with your community and other women about the feminine frequency. All right, enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the other side. 
Hello, Madeline, and welcome to The Feminine Frequency. I'm really excited to have you here today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. (laughs) Yeah, you have like a very angelic energy, like it feels really Mm -hmm. light and open. And I am really excited to dive into your body of work with your recent book, The Artist of Love. And I believe the book came out last year, right? In 2022? Mm-hmm. Yes, it mm-hmm. came out, I think August 31st was its birthday. Okay. It come out in the world, yeah. Yeah, that's a big, big project and big creation. And I know that it served so many women already. And so I'm excited to mm-hmm. share more and to introduce my podcast community to your work as well. Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was definitely... Um, a deep labor of love as all creative arts are, but it's been really sweet to have it out into the world and receive feedback and hear how it's supported people and changed their relationship dynamics and been beautiful to watch it take on its own life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone was new to this concept of being the artist of love in their life and in their relationships, how would you introduce them to this body of work? Yeah, so to be an artist of love is basically to become the leading actor in your own non-acting life. It's for non-actors to learn how to become leading actors. And The premise of the artistry of love and artistic loving is that you can do this by yourself solo, you can do this in a relationship dynamic, and you can do this in your connection with the entire world. So there's three different circles and three different ways that you can interact as an artist of love. And all of this work for me really started in relationship. And then I built the other two branches from there. Like, how do I do this by myself? How do I do this um, as a brand or as a, you know, as a one woman show or what I'm putting out into the world. Um, and where it began in context of relationship was this question of how can we disrupt the pattern of the mundane, of boredom, of triggers, of karma, whatever it is you're dealing in your love life, how do you disrupt the pattern with art? So instead of getting into like, you did this thing again. You did this thing again. Like you're not masculine enough. Well, fuck you. You're not feminine. Like before doing that, what if there was a way to shock the moment, like bring shock value or surprise your beloved or preemptively address some building resentment in a way that is through ceremony? Like how artistic can we get with the things that come up in love? Because they're inevitably going to come up because they're meant to. The entire purpose of relationship is to heal not only the like old childhood wounds around, I'm not lovable. Like we get to heal that in love and in relationship, but we don't just go from wounded to good. We go from great to ecstatic. So by being an artist and by creating art in your relationship, either in the moment or premeditating on it, or like, oh, next time this happens, I'm going to I'm going to spank him and whisper this in his ear. Like I'm going to play with this (laughs) thing he hates and make him laugh and or at least take a risk. I'll see what happens. So it really started from there of looking at how powerful this would be to imagine that our relationships are this big cosmic drama. It's a big play. And we get to choose as the actors in it, what, what choices do we want to make? What creative choices will make the best scene? And 
that's really where it began. And I started making these creative um, comedic reels, which is really how my, like my business, I've been doing this since I was 19, which a lot of people don't know, 31. I've been mm-hmm. doing this a long time. But once I started doing that, people were like, oh, like following and like wanting to do all the courses and programs and really figure out how to do this because it's funny and it's fun. And that's what most of us are looking for. We know how to create the depth. We know how to do the ayahuasca ceremonies, but what most of us don't know how to do is how to play and how to heal these dynamics through artistry. And then of course we can also do this by ourselves. How do we cross over thresholds in a way that we feel the rite of passage? And that's another piece that is missing from our society is these rites of passage moments. So how can you create ceremonies with yourself or you can invoke certain archetypes within yourself in your own home just to feel what it would be like to be Maleficent or to be uh, Elle Woods, like whatever character you're maybe missing in your life, what would it be like to pretend to embody that character in your own home life? And then on the opposite end is your interaction with the world. What are you putting out into the world that is your own unique art? Do you want to write a play and cast it and produce it and put it on or make a really awesome uh, festival or a brand that started from your deepest wound and now you're helping people with it or write a song? Like, what are you actually doing in your worldly existence that's artistic and is also supporting the world? supporting to create it the way that you want it to be. So those are the three realms of the artistry of love. And the last thing I'll say, the easiest way that I describe this, all of this is that I help majority majority of women, not so much men, but I help women learn how to embrace embodiment through the lens of improv, acting, monologues, and sacred theater. Mm, Yeah. I love that you've taken your own personal experience with acting and infused it into personal development to bring forward more of this playfulness, this artistry, this fun, and to kind of shake it up a little bit. Cause Mm -hmm. there there's plenty of approaches that can actually feel pretty masculine when it comes to personal growth. And it's like very in the mind and it's very like, do this step and then do this step and then do this step. But with the artistry of love, it's really about bringing forward your creativity, being in the moment, like there's so much that you offer in this book. And so I wanted to dive into the concept of embodiment and specifically some of the archetypes that you share in this book, because I love archetype work. And I think it can be so helpful for us to learn new ways of being or activate parts of ourselves through exploring archetypes and seeing, oh, I haven't tried that part of me on for a while, or that part of me has felt like asleep for a long time and numb for a long time, or I want to feel more alive and more magnetic or more full, like fully embodied, whatever the archetype is that you're wanting to explore. So yeah, I'd love for you to walk us through some of the archetypes that you share in the book and how one might be able to start practicing or using these archetypes to become an artist of love in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing I'll, I'll say is that there are four archetypes. This is just a launch pad so that people can understand like, what are archetypes? Even though I created these, like Carl Jung has archetypes galore that you can 
like unpack and look at. I created these, but then when we look at any movie, every character we watch is their own archetype. And this launchpad of these four that I've created is a great starting point for like, okay, instead of the infinity amount of archetypes that are in all the movies, I want to start with these four. But then once you've really explored these, start watching movies and be like, ooh, what would it be like to be Claire Randall from Outlander? And like, how would I embody her? Or what would it be like to be this character? Any character you feel deeply drawn to when you watch something, what would it be like if you dressed like her and you said those little things that she said, those phrases, and explored that because that's incredibly fun to practice. With my archetypes, so we're looking at four unique perspectives of the feminine and how the feminine um, exists as a lover and an artist. So the first one's the loyal oracle. And the loyal oracle is she who is deeply connected to the unseen. Like it's not visible, but she can feel it. She can feel when there's a a, last, a lapse of consciousness and she's like, oh, that hurt. Like I feel dropped. She's very tethered to truth above all. Mm. Um, and the, the movie character that I chose for her was Arwen because Arwen is absolutely an oracle. Like she sees into the future and she's devoted to truth and she lets her man go because she believes in his purpose as king and as man that he has to go do this. So she's devoted to truth. And um, sometimes with the loyal oracle, she can get a little bit too um, attached to whoever she's with because she's valued. She's such a deep lover that some relationships can go a little past their due date because she's mm-hmm. so devoted. Um, so the, the main key for the loyal oracle in all of us is to learn how to remain devoted to truth, even if truth means walking away. Even if truth means like separating truth from from love at times because truth is love but the heart of like i love you so i need to be with you can sometimes overpower the truth of i love you and that's why i can't be with you so we can summon the loyal oracle within us by really starting to give voice to the intuition and to the one in us who knows truth and to vocalize that and make sure that we're with partners who are like you're badass. You got some deep truth, woman, and can see you for that. And also, all four of these archetypes are within everybody. Everyone has all four. Uh, I have a quiz. I can give you the link if, if everyone wants to to take it. That will tell you what your primary is, mm-hmm. which is a great place to start. But I also want everyone to know: just because you have a primary doesn't mean you're not the other ones. They're all in everyone. Um, the next one is the playful priestess, and she is the she's the sparkly chandelier who drinks champagne and wants to go have fun in Jamaica on a honeymoon rather than like go into deep ceremony. She loves to play. And for her play equals that depth that everyone else is seeking. And she can hold a little bit of shame around the fact that she doesn't really feel the same kind of depth from communicating with her friends of like, Oh yeah, I had this dream and I went to the sea abyss and then I saw (laughs) like a scorpion and the scorpion spoke these words and like she doesn't quite have that and living in the spiritual world can feel confusing because she's like I get it but I felt all of that by doing handstands in the front yard so it's important for anyone who has a very strong play essence to realize that your play is just as deep and sacred as anybody else's method of um 
of having fun and expressing joy. Um, so Playful Priestess is very deeply served from like choosing her compass of play and everything that she does. And she expresses her artistry through drama, like sacred drama, not drama as like sneaky. I'm going to see if you're going to like fuck up this test I'm going to give you to create drama, but more so, oh, like she just is amplified in everything that she does. The Playful Priestess movie character is um, Lucille Ball. If you watch anything from I Love Lucy, you'll see the amplification in this woman's face and her in her vocal cords, like mm, like the sticking of the tongue out, like the, oh, Ricky, you know, she like does all of this stuff that's so amplified. And that's what the playful priestess does. Her, her medicine is the play. It is the amplification of life and creating that drama. Um, so that's playful priestess. We all have her accessible. She's one that I find most people struggle with is to feel like I can do that. I can make sounds, I can crack jokes. In theory, it sounds cool. Yeah, I love play. But to actually be the first one in the room to have some shock fact factor, a shock value of doing something that breaks up the moment can take a lot of bravery. The next one is the erotic enchantress. Her compass and everything she does is her sexuality. Like she speaks from her yoni, she lives from her yoni. Her womb is like, yes, no, maybe, I don't care, fuck that. Everything that her sex is saying is what everything else in her body is saying. So her, the way that she lives her life is through the power of her pussy. Like, does she feel turned on? And this can be a struggle for those who are born erotic enchantresses because our culture either represses or exploits a woman's sexuality. And it really like murkies up her relationship with her deepest knowing because if it's connected to her sex, it's connected to the thing that's repressed and exploited, nothing is clear. Her work is to come back into her sex body, come back into her yoni's intuitive wetness, meaning yes, dryness, meaning no. And sometimes that means practice. It means practice of paying more attention to how do I how do I tend to my root chakra? How do I get back into my body through pole dance or through yoni eggs or through self-pleasure practices, dressing like that? What do I want to wear that will help activate like that internal compass that I have? So the movie character for her is Samantha from Sex and the City because she's just like the best example. <laughs> Someone oozing with sexuality, follows her compass everywhere she goes. That doesn't mean that everyone who resonates the most with erotic entrantress needs to have such a, a sexual energy on the outside. You could be the quietest person in the room wearing a muumuu and you could still have powerful erotic enchantress energy. But she's like just an obvious, she's the total package embodiment of what that looks like, even if most of us have that a bit more on the subtle level, it's okay. And then the final one is the sacred devotee. And the sacred devotee is the is she who feels the sacred in everything that she does. She drinks water in the morning and she gives thanks to the mother of the water. Um, she goes outside into the sun and she feels the connection to every plant, every tree, the sun, the moon, like it's all deep reverence. Everything she turns, everything she touches, sorry, turns sacred. So she is deeply devoted to ceremony, to ritual, to like intimacy is a ceremony. It's all connected to goddess. And so 
sometimes the struggle for the sacred devotee can be that she's so devoted to her work as a priestess and as a devotee to, to God, goddess, that she doesn't quite value self-sufficiency and like the work ethic and creating money and paying for things and building that um, foundation for herself also as a form of worship kind of like goes to the wayside. Like, I just want to do my sacred work and not charge people for it. So that can lead to patterns of codependency, of relying on mom and dad or relying on partner or relying on something that weakens her ability to create a profoundly deep life. So her journey is to learn how to hold that, hold the sacredness of everything in this world and include money in that and include business building and strategy, even if it like part of her hurts, her heart's like, ah, how can she learn how to reprogram the masculine capacity that she has deep down into also feeling like a ceremony and also feeling like an act of worship. And um, her character is the movie version of Pocahontas because the real journey of Pocahontas is different from the movie. It's a lot more tragic and dark. The movie version though, it, it's the only time I've ever been able to find a sacred devotee archetype on TV. So when I think of the movie version of Pocahontas and the colors of the wind and her being able to see the beauty and John Smith, even if he's not of her people and of her land and welcome him into her ceremony and be like, take a look around, look at like the oceans and the waterfall. Do you see what I see? This is a very sacred devotee thing to do is to welcome people into your ritual and your tradition and to unite those worlds. So we can activate any four of these through so many different levels, through our clothing, through our speech, through prayer, through waking up each morning and being like, I now step into the erotic enchantress archetype that I am, giving her a name and actually feeling like, okay, now I'm Esmeralda or whatever name you want to come up with and creating an entire character of how she lives through this world. And then when it comes down to the nitty gritty of when it really matters, like you and your partner are in a fight, how would the erotic one in me handle this fight? How would the playful one in me handle this fight? How would the devotee in me move with this fight? How would the oracle call out this fight? So they provide all these beautiful um, angles of how to work through like issues to go from maybe a trigger to something beautiful, but also something beautiful to something ecstatic, all the different mm. levels. Okay, my love, we are going to take a quick pause from this conversation because I have a very special announcement to make. I am calling in two new soul clients for my six month empowered feminine mentorship. I only open up spots a few times a year to work with me in a one-on-one -on -one capacity and now is that time. Throughout this mentorship, we work on both the feminine and masculine aspects of growth. So we work on the spiritual and embodiment practices for the feminine and the energetic level. And then we also work on the mindset and practical and strategic level to really bring this transformation into your life in a practical and grounded way. 
Whenever I want to expand into my next level of growth and confidence and success, I look for a coach who is embodying what I desire to create in my life. So this mentorship is for feminine leaders, business owners, CEOs, and ambitious women who have already been doing their own personal development work, but are ready to go deeper and are ready for the guidance and support to do so. This mentorship is for you if you want to feel more empowered in your emotions and your leadership skills, you want to feel more magnetic and embodied in your confidence, you want to feel more fulfilled and create a greater impact, and you want to feel more confident in your relationships. During this intuitive mentorship, we go really deep into uncovering your limiting beliefs, looking at inner child healing, developing a deep level of self-trust, tapping into your feminine frequency, and then we also look at business and lifestyle strategy along with daily rituals and practices to help you align with your next level version of yourself that you're stepping into. If this mentorship is speaking to you and you are feeling the call to work together in this high level one-to-one capacity, I'm only taking on two new clients at this time. So head on over to the link in the show notes and fill out the application. Once we receive your application, my team will be in touch to confirm if you have been accepted for the mentorship and we'll hop on a one-on-one call to chat about all of the details. All right, my love, enjoy the rest of this episode and we'll see you on the other side. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for elaborating on those. I know you go way deeper in your book. That was such a beautiful yeah, just overview and high level picture. And I could feel even as you were describing them, like a piece of embodiment that you have with each of these, each of these archetypes, which is really fun. And yeah, for our listeners, as you're listening to those archetypes, really take a moment to recognize like which one feels really more natural or easeful for me, which one feels like it's really far away, or I feel really disconnected from it, or which do I feel really drawn to exploring more and, and go deeper into those. Right. And one of the ways I love to play with archetypes as a feminine embodiment guide is through movement. So also bringing this into how would she dance? How would she move her body? How would she be with herself if she was embodying this archetype and yeah, I think archetypes are are so powerful. So I love this as a method that we can bring into relationship. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about relationship and being an artist of love with yourself. There was a piece in your book where you talk about how relationships really are a mirror. Our, our romantic relationships are a mirror for our relationship with ourselves. And so, yeah, if you can speak more to applying the artist of love to your relationship with yourself and how can we cultivate more of that so that it can really allow our romantic partnerships and other relationships to flourish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with the artistry of love with self, the foundation is to make your internal world just as sacred as anything you experience with another. Because oftentimes we're like, oh, I'm just going to sit around or maybe not sit around, but I'm going to manifest my partner so that I can finally do the stuff. I want to do the stuff. And it's really disempowering to think that you have to have a partner in order to do the stuff. Because you don't. It's by doing the stuff, whatever the stuff is to you, 
that draws in that match. It's not by waiting until to, um, it's, it's, for me, it's always been the deepest way that I've ever quote manifested. It's not even, it doesn't even feel like the right word. It's just calling in the right match for me at the right time. It's because I am the embodiment of the thing it is I want. So if I want a relationship full of sacred ceremony, I don't get it by waiting for it. I get it by becoming it. So sometimes it's hard to to actually plan, okay, tonight I'm going to do this ceremony. It's just going to be me and the ceremony, but I'm going to like go out and buy the fresh flowers and I'm going to get the adornments that I need and I'm going to set up the sacred space. But that's where the real work happens. That's how we prepare for offering that to a beloved is because we're offering that to goddess herself especially when we're, when we're with ourselves. So one of the most beautiful things we can do is be, to begin to create a habitual response that if we go through something in the real world or even in our mind, we have these different ways that we can tend to that through creative arts, through creative ideas, through, wow, that really hurt that my friend said this thing. I think I'm going to write an entire song about it and I'm going to send her the song. Like I'm going to send her a song of how I feel because I don't feel like telling her how I feel right now. So I'm going to write a song. I'm going to perform it on my little phone, record it, send it to her. Or creating playlists for certain times of our life. You know, we'll create a playlist for someone else. But how often do we create a really deep, sacred playlist that no one else is going to listen to? We're not sending it out to our following and say, hey, I made this playlist. You can follow along. It's just for us, us and God. Or writing vows like getting really cool scroll paper and writing a vow to you and goddess of what you are committed to doing in this lifetime in the name of her and like rolling the scroll up and tying it with handmade silk ribbons and like creating ceremony for yourself or even creating comedy. Like I, all of my reels that I've created that are comedic all started from me needing to process these shitty dates I was going on or guys did shitty things. And I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like I have to make something out of what just happened here to help process it. Because if I don't recreate this in my own little world, then I'm just gonna be sitting here being like, what the fuck? So I would create these little reels between a man and a woman or something weird would happen. And then I'm like, that's kind of funny. So I'd put it up and then other people thought it was funny. So the bridge for me, that all started of me wanting to process something for myself, but it ended up being the third realm of for the world. It ended up being my work and it led me to my programs that I create and the curriculum that I do. So there's a connection that happens between the first, the second and the third. And oftentimes the, fir the first will lead directly into the third of you following what do you need in order to help yourself move forward or process or heal that becomes that third realm of you sharing it with the world. And I've seen this oftentimes with writers, like writing poetry to help themselves process something or writing about their journey, something traumatic, that moment that they hit publish, like the simple act of writing it and sharing it heals them on that first circle level. But then also it directly goes into what people know you by. Like she's the woman who writes about very authentic things, you know, and she puts them on her Instagram and it's your brand. So the first is super related to the third, but also the second with the relationship, like that fuels into who you are as a woman by yourself. 
Because what happens in relationship is going to bring out all the things inside your body that remind you of your mom, remind you of your dad, the things that you can't shake off, but also the things that are beautiful and wonderful and how deep you love. And those don't leave no matter if the person you're dating does. And anything, any nutrient that doesn't feel like any nutrient that comes out in the second realm in relationship, even if the relationship leads, leaves, it can bleed back into the first realm. Like, uh, okay, wow, this person activated within me my deep devotion and my willingness to love. And um, I discovered this about myself. If they leave or if you leave them, there's, it's still there. How do I tend to this deep devotion? How do I tend to da, 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 whatever you felt woke up? And then also second to third, like relationships will activate and show you all the places where you're holding back in your professional life and in the work you're doing in the world. So the mirrors are all around and it's this very beautiful, complete cycle of one into two into three into one into two into three into one. Yeah, that cyclical nature of and everything being interconnected, but then it being cyclical in different phases and chapters of your life. I love that. I feel like that's mm. also just a super creative way to to look at this journey. And yeah, how interconnected our our personal practices are with our work in the world and also with our relationship to others. And I think one of the most beautiful things that I've experienced on my spiritual path is that when we recognize that we do have, I guess you could use the word control, but it's like when you're devoted to your own practices, like no one can take that away from you. And when you're, let's say in between relationships or when you prioritize time for yourself within a relationship that then ripples out into all the other areas of your life. So I think this really is coming back to the foundation of spiritual practice of spending time with yourself, deepening your relationship with yourself, being with yourself and, and, and all the parts of yourself. And I think that it's beautiful how then that gets reflected in our external reality. So yeah, love, love these three layers and there's, there's so much in each of them, which I know you go yeah, way deeper into in the book. So mm -hmm. is there anything else that you feel inspired to share from the book or that feels inspiring within the, the work of the artist of love that you'd like to offer today? Hmm. Uh, well, as you were talking, I was just thinking, damn, I should have had a fifth one, a fifth archetype. I was thinking <laughs> like, there should be the grief goddess. Cause I, I've just Ooh, been through such a portal so alive like, right now. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, like why, why don't I have that? It's just, it's definitely not a sexy, but it's, it's also just a sexy, you know, it's, it's something that we as a society are talking more and more and more and more and more about. And it's becoming more just it's discussion topic of like, how do we tend to endings and to death and to grief and create space for that. And I would say that that's definitely, that's the unspoken that's now hereby moving forward, the unspoken archetype that comes out um, when I remember, but the grief goddess, yeah. So she grieves because <laughs> that is really important. And that's also a form of artistry is to tend to the, the well of grief that bubbles up when we lose someone that we love or we have endings and that's also an, an altar that we have devotion to, is to 
take time to notice, recognize, and honor the little deaths that happen in our lives, whether they're just memories and events of things that have happened that were rites of passage. Um, and as a single person, there are so many ways you can do ritual that are around grief, like burying things, letting things go, candle magic, but and falling apart. Like that is such a act of devotion is to allow yourself to fall apart and to not know who you are and to not know what the fuck is happening and to give space to that unraveling trusting that that is the deepest thing you could possibly be doing in service of the woman you're becoming and trusting the falling apart so that all that's the last thing i just wanted to say for anyone that's grieving out there your art is not on pause if you're in a state of grieving that's also very much as much as play and eroticism to the artistry, to allowing that grief open to open you wide, to pick out the pieces that are no longer serving you and trust that you will come back together again. Mm, so potent. That <laughs> is so powerful. The grief goddess. Okay. She's included now. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we're seeing, I'm really grateful that this is coming to light in the collective and that there's, there's more conversations around grief. I just had uh, some incredible authors, Azra and Benjamin Becker talking about the process of becoming. And we talked a lot about death and the death cycles within our own growth, you know, moving into a different phase of our growth, letting go of certain parts of ourselves. Then there's letting go of relationships. There's letting go of lovers. There's letting go of friendships. Like we're inevitably going to experience grief in our life. And so I love this of tending to the grief and allowing yourself to fall apart and being with the grief is such a beautiful piece of wisdom. So thanks for adding that in here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for supporting. Um, yeah. Transmitted. Cause as you were talking, I was just like, grief goddess. <laughs> Something yep. was activated when you were sharing. <laughs> so <great>. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I'd love to invite our listeners to get a copy of your book. I'm imagining it. They can get it on Amazon. Where else can they find it? Uh, Barnes and Noble and just some like one-off little website websites that I keep discovering that's like, oh, the book's there. Um, but yeah, primarily Amazon and Barnes and Noble online. Okay, great. And then I'd also love to invite our listeners over to your Instagram to watch your incredible mm -hmm. reels and to really get a feel for your work. So where can they find you on Instagram? Yes, Instagram, it's at Madeline Moon. That's M-A-D-E-L-Y-N-M-O-O-N. You can see my comedic reels there, my teachings. Um, and if you want to check out the quiz, it's maddiemoon.com forward slash quiz. Very easy. You can find out what your primary archetype is. Great. We'll include all of that in the show notes. And thank you again for joining. Thank you so much. Pleasure being here. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you found value from this conversation, I invite you to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. You can tag me at Amy Natalie Co. 
I always love hearing from you. Send me a message. Let me know your takeaways. Also, I have a beautiful free gift for you. If you have not already downloaded the Empowered Feminine Morning Ritual, it is a 20-minute audio guide for you to listen to in the morning to start your day feeling empowered and embodied. You can find the link for that recording in the show notes. And lastly, if you are a regular listener here and you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to leave a rating and a review you. This is the best way to support this podcast in reaching more women around the world. To leave a rating and a review, you can scroll down on the podcast app on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes and leave a quick review to share what you love most about this podcast and how it has impacted your life. Thanks again for being here and we'll see you next Monday for another episode of The Feminine Frequency.